Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is the legendary Jesus Chaides, communicator, activist, and artist from Texas who now calls Mexico City home. We'll talk about why he decided to retire abroad, his daily life surrounded by the Mexican art scene, and how his life has been altered by the coronavirus. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention Familia. Honor 41, the national queer Latinx nonprofit that recognizes leaders in our queer brown movement, has just released its latest round of filmed interviews of 41 activists. Interviews with queer brown political leaders, grassroots organizers, media influencers, and historians are now available at honor41.org. The class of 21 includes yours truly, featuring the Jesse Garcia Show podcast. Thank you to Alberto Mendoza, who coordinates the production of the list each year. To learn more about this special project, check out my interview with Alberto, who was featured way back on episode 6 of the Jesse Garcia Show. To see who else was recognized in our community, visit honor41.org. On the podcast today, I have the distinct honor of interviewing a legendary figure in queer brown activism and a personal friend of mine, Jesus Chaides. When I first met Jesus in the early 2000s, I was instantly a fan of his eccentric, bold fashion, his artwork, and his clever wit. Since I had just moved to Dallas, I had no idea of his legendary status as the madrina of all that is gay in North Texas. Jesus accepted me into his world, and I am forever blessed by that decision. Jesus is a second-generation Chicano from Texas. In the early 1980s, he founded the Gay Hispanic Coalition de Dallas, which later became the Gay and Lesbian Hispanic Coalition de Dallas, an organization that brought political pressure to the Dallas establishment in order to fight discrimination. The organization would later form alliances with similar groups in Austin, Houston, and San Antonio to empower the Texas queer Latino community. Jesus' activism was influenced by his artistic interest in photography and painting, passions that led him to explore life in Mexico and to reconceptualize life across the border. In addition to his work as an artist and activist, Jesus created, produced, and hosted the influential queer Latinx radio show, Sin Fronteras, from 1993 to 2005. He spotlighted Latinx and queer artists and gave listeners a weekly bilingual program that not only entertained them, but validated their lives with messages of hope, way before the It Gets Better campaign. Let's now hear from the Madrina, on how life got better for him south of the border. Jesus Chaides, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. You've been working in the community for so long, and you decided it was time to retire. You didn't stay in the United States. You decided to actually move to a whole different country to live out your your golden years in Mexico City. And Mm -hmm. I have you on the show to discuss your wonderful life down there. 
Mm-hmm. What makes you want to retire in Mexico? Well, you know, um, well, I worked, a lot of people knew me as an activist. I had the first GLBT Latino art gallery in Olis Dallas. You know, I, start, I did the radio show and I was doing parties and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I had a really good life. And, but when I retired, but my day job, the one that gave me the pension was, I was a government employee. A lot of people don't know I was a federal investigator. I carried a badge, you know, I, I was like Barney Five, but you know, I was, <laughs> I had a badge. I was taken serious. I was uh, an investigator. How long was your federal career? Uh, 33 years, two weeks, five days, and eight hours. That is, and it's just amazing because everybody knows you as this person that was Mm -hmm. on the radio, and then Mm -hmm. would see at parties with flashy leopard prints, uh, art and culture, and all the while you were this federal government worker. Yeah, investigator. Yeah, yeah, and and so you know. Let me tell you, uh, when I was younger, I was very assimilated. I didn't speak Spanish, and my name was Jesse. Well, you know, when I went to school, they changed my name from Jesus to Jesse. And so I was very assimilated. I didn't want to... I didn't want to speak Spanish. I didn't even want to go to Mexico. And I said, oh my God, I'm not one of them people, you know, because uh, yeah. I was getting bad press. Uh, there was no... When I was grow up, growing up, there was no let you know there was no Spanish TV, there was no Spanish radio. KESS was the first radio AM station that went on the air in, in Dallas, and that was uh, in the late '60s, I believe. So I wasn't anything. But in Christmas of 1986, I made a car trip from Dallas to Mexico City. A friend of mine talked me into coming, and I I didn't want to go, but you know he said, "Oh, I know, is a gringo." You know, he lived in Turtle Creek. He says, oh, I know you now. You're going to love it. So Christmas 1986, I hopped in the car and we drove, took us two days. And he was right. I loved it. I didn't even want to leave. I was going to quit my job. (laughs) I was going to quit my job and stay in Mexico City. I mean, you know, it was like, wow. And and uh, and the reason I didn't is because I had a pension. You know, I, I knew if I, if I stuck it out, I could I could have a pension. So, mm-hmm. and so when I retired in uh, in June of 2006, I was in Dallas, and I'm thinking, you know, you know, your parents have passed away, and you know, this is an opportune time to do what you want to do, because towards the end, I did want to move to Mexico City. Um, because I worked for the government and we have those holidays that are on a Monday. I was always here every, I would leave on a Thursday and come back to, you know, uh, on Monday night, you know, cause I'd spend a, a four day weekend in Mexico city. I was, I was coming here 10 times a year. And so when I retired, you know, I thought, you know, I can, it's just my time to move. I can, do I want to live on a small pension in Dallas or do I want to go to Mexico city and live like a rich white woman? You know, so, <laughs> so I came here. I came here to live really, really well. I have a cleaning or had a cleaning lady until the pandemic hit. I would have a cleaning lady on Mondays and Fridays. You know, I mean, I had my laundry done, my cooking done, and all of that. You know, I couldn't do that in Dallas, you know, and, and people say, oh, well, you're taking advantage. I'm not. I'm helping the economy. You know, I'm helping the, you know, the, um, the labor that's not, uh, you know, that's kind of like the underground labor. You know, there's a lot of those, you know, the, uh, so, you know, I'm, 
you know, and one of the things about being here is I can afford to go out to eat and find places. And also what's what really helping now, right now is uh, I can help people. I've, I've helped people pay rent. I've helped them buy groceries and everything. And, and, and because I'm, I'm not going out to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and going out and having cocktails on Friday, Saturday, and Sundays, I have a lot more money. You more know? resources. Do you see yeah. a lot of ex, ex, expats out there? Oh, yeah. I don't hang out with them uh, a lot. Um, but, yeah, I see them. Uh, because, uh, you know, when, when you said I retired, I kind of sort of did. Because what I ended up doing is reinventing myself as a writer. You know, because now I write the stories about the things that are happening here in Mexico City. So I'm still an activist, but more in the written word. There's so many stories that are here. Of course, if you read the Dallas Morning News, you know, it's all drugs, death, and, you know, and, uh, and the drug cartel. But, you know, I'm, I'm not writing about any of that. I'm writing about different things. I just wrote about the male hustlers that are having a real hard time here in, in, in Mexico City. Uh, you, know, there's a, you know, there's so many stories that need to be told. And, and so I, I re reinvented myself as a writer. So I haven't ever gone away. I'm just not, I'm just not going to meetings every day. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not trying to do a radio pace. Yeah, yeah, and at my and at my age, and it, you know, it's it was a slower pace, and and yeah. I enjoy that, you know. I mean, um, you know, people people invite me a lot of things, and you know, about the expats, I know a lot, but because of my writings, I I, I, prom I so promote. I'm an, I know how to promote, and and a lot of people want to meet me. Uh, it's amazing. A lot of people will invite me to lunch or invite me to dinner or invite me to drink so, you know, we can have a conversation because they like something that I wrote or something that I posted. It's wonderful. You got people coming in from Dallas and, oh, I want to meet you. And I go, well, hell it, yeah. You're like, you know? you this wonderful opportunity to have this book club that keeps on going over your store. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, I take them to places that are not on the tourist path. I take them to things that are really different. I, t I take them to a taqueria where Marilyn Monroe showed up one day. Marilyn Monroe, six months before she died in 1962, she was hanging out here having tacos at a taqueria here in I Mexico love City. I love and I, and I take people there and they're going, oh my God, yeah, Maria Felix was here. You know, Cantinflas was here. Pe Pedro Infantes was here. You know, I know all of those places. And, and you know, and it's, Gives me such a joy to 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 take people there and, and see the uh, the smiles in their faces and things too. You're a natural born storyteller. No, oh, yeah. Well, honey, I can tell. Well, you give, give me a cocktail or two, they even get better. <laughs> now, do you miss living? Is there something from the United States that you miss? Uh, no, no. You know when I you know when I first moved here, when I first time moved here in May of two thousand and eight to Mexico City, I would go to make I would go back to Dallas because I was living in a place where I was only paying a hundred dollars a month. You know, a hundred dollars a month for a seven bedroom house. They had a big balcony overlooking a park. I could afford an apartment still in Dallas and would keep my car. So I was three months there, three months here. Uh, but but not anymore. I, you know, I lost that apartment, and, you know, and, and things are not cheap here anymore. I I'm paying a little bit more money, but, you know, instead of going and staying a month or six months, it gradually went slower and slower and slower. And now if I, if I go to Dallas, I go on a Monday and I'm leaving that Friday. So I, it's a pretty quick trip. And I know 
the reason for it. And that is because with the present administration that we have, uh, going to, going back to Dallas, especially Texas, it's scary. It's scary because of the racism. It's scary because of the homophobia. Uh, you know, uh, people, everybody's got guns. You know, it's just totally, totally scary. I know people say, oh, you know, people get killed by the drug cartel. Yeah, but you know, that's gonna happen if you're involved in drugs or selling drugs where you're not supposed to be, you know, th th you know those kind of things, you know, that they, that they, they weed out the competition. In Dallas, you know, you honk your horn at the wrong person, they're going to pull out a gun, you know, they're, they're road rage. It's crazy. Um, I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. I, in fact, when I know, and the reason I go to Dallas, because I still have my, uh, my medical doctor, and I'm, I think we're going to talk about that a little later, but I go to see my doctor, do blood work. And, and that's the reason why I go, and, that, and that's it. You know, as soon as I get into the health system here, I probably won't be going back to Dallas. It scares me. It scares me. It scares you. Um, you're one of the people that are featured in that amazing book that came out in 2015, Queer Brown Voices, mm -hmm. published by the University of Texas. And it has a collection of stories of people that were in the movement in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. You're one of the stories. And it was beautifully done. Uh, my friend Leticia Gomez, Leticia Gomez, uh, mm -hmm. wonderful activist, also a Texan that lives in D.C. now, like me, um, edited the book. Hope to have her on later on this year. The book's available on Amazon for $25, hard copy, 18 for Kindle. Uh, recommend that you get this book. Jesus right. has a wonderful essay in there. And it talks about how, as a young child, you were denied art classes. You were told not to take art classes. They denied you the right to be an artist because it was mm -hmm. too sissy for you for those times. Yeah, those well, I, the things that you're you things you're talking about is my family. It wasn't the school. The school, but no, exactly. The family structure mm -hmm. did not want you to go that route. And I love how your life surrounds itself now with art you finally went back to that joy of art mm -hmm. and right now as i'm interviewing you i'm seeing all these beautiful things um and all this whole walls full of wonderful art and you live in the art district if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. isn't it beautiful that something that was denied to you as a kid you now are enveloped in you are surrounded oh yeah Tell us a little yeah. about the art scene in Mexico. Well, the art scene's really, very, very big here in Mexico City. And we're talking not only the well-known artists, but we're talking the up-and-coming artists. Now, Mexico City is a, is a power city. It's, it's, the, it's the heartbeat of the country. A lot of people from all over the world are here. So you, it attracts the, the creative intellect types. They come in from New York. They come in from L.A. They come in from Chicago. They come in from Madrid. They come in from... Paris, they come in from Germany, Japan. I mean, it is, they're all here. And it's just one big, beautiful, colorful painting. I mean, uh, it, it, there's a lot of art galleries. There's art shows, the, the international art shows that are here. Uh, I live right behind the National Museum of Art. The National Museum of Art is called the Munal. The Munal uh, is a beautiful art space. The director of the Mula, the, uh, used to be the Mula, last year got hired by the DMA. 
and in in he uh, he was the director of the DMA was the one who brought that Mexico exhibit. So you know it's so Mexico you know goes out and it just spreads itself. I know there's shows about different artists from Mexico that are in you know in Chicago, then New York, and, and things like that because I mean it's a power base. I mean there's a lot of creativity here. You got to remember, I mean you know that there was a big mega city before the Spaniards got here, you know, exactly. and did their own they, they did their own pandemic, you know, and almost yeah. killed everybody <laughs> off with the measles, you know. Yeah. So, but but it, the art scene is beautiful. I mean. Uh, if there's an empty space on the street, well, the, the, somebody puts up a mural. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it won't last long. <laughs> uh, and, some, and, then, and, then, and then they'll cover it up and somebody else will put another one. It's just constantly changing and forming. And I live two blocks away from uh, Palacio de Bellas Artes. It's a museum that, um, that started being built in 1910 because of the revolution. They stopped and then later it, it was fixed up. I mean, they have major exhibitions there. I mean, they had a, they had a Zapata show uh, back at the end, uh, back in November, December, and this gay artist did a Zapata that was very effeminate and gay, and it almost, oh, it was scandalous. Scandalous. Um, and and uh, they wanted to kill the artist, literally, you know, because he had, you know, uh, made Zapata look very effeminate on a horse, a horse that had a, an, a big erection. But, uh, but, but the Mexico government, the Mexico City art community stood by the artist and the painting did not come down. You know, the painting stayed, you know, so, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of support for the artist here. It's, it's a struggle like any, any artist, but you know, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, um, you know, I love the fashion attire, some of the people, they're just really bizarre, you know, and nobody blinks an eye, you know, nobody, you know, I'd be afraid to, to go outside, you know, in Leopard. I'd be afraid of somebody beat me up in Dallas, you know? <laughs> and you fit in right there. So tell <laughs> you know? us about the gay scene down there. Well, the gay scene is really, really cool. You know, you know, before I moved here, and a lot of times you were here about gay people asking for political asylum because Mexico was very macho and, you know, and, and people were afraid. Uh, I mean, I can understand how somebody wanted to be... Uh, granted asylum but uh, and, and, and moved to the USA but I don't think you can use that that factor of you know asking for asylum in the US because you're gay and living in Macho Mexico it's very open here of course sometimes people get beat up I mean you know that that happens everywhere that but, in the United States. yeah but you know we we have a gay parade that you got a, a gay parade during the the last Saturday of the month in June, when everybody's having their gay parades all around the world, we're having one too. But we got over a million people, over a million people in that parade. That's a one big, big, huge parade. And, and they go from the Angel of Independence, and it goes all the way to Paseo La Reforma. They go through downtown, the Alameda Park, and we stop at the Zocalo. And, you have, and the Zocalo is in front of the a presidential palace so you got you know that the, all the government office buildings have gay flags or the, uh, the lights are in the gay colors they got bandstands they got music uh you know I, i'm sorry honey cedar springs does not compare to anything we have here <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i could just imagine even here in dc we're fighting to mm -hmm. in the neighborhood and mm -hmm. it's getting really hard permit one mm -hmm. and all that 
but they, they go all out in Mexico City. That's good to hear. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no, it's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Um, one of the things about the gay scene, let me, let me put in this tidbit that I, that I really have noticed, that you know, in the USA, when you're a gay man and you're over 30, I mean, you're history. I mean, yeah. you're, you don't, you're, the people don't pay you attention. But not here. The, the uh, gay, gay young people respect elders. I mean, I, I meet people just walking down the street. Beautiful young man, you know, who want to talk to me, you know, and and you know, and and then they go, oh, you know, and they start talking to me. Oh, it is gringo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and because I look like so that. nice. Yeah, huh? lots of international cultures tend to respect the elders more than we do here in the United States. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the way they were brought up. It's the way the culture of, you know, uh, and, and it's just not in, in Latin America, African countries, Asian countries. It's always respecting the elders. Somehow yeah. we got warped in the United mm -hmm. States, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, I haven't committed to anybody because, um, I hate to say, oh, you know, they're all in college. <laughs> they're, they're all in college. <laughs> they work it. But, you know, I, in Dallas, I mean, when I had the radio show, I, I did date a lot because a lot of people wanted to be with a DJ. But when I lost that radio show, I mean, that was dry, honey. <laughs> not but not anymore. I got four boyfriends. All right for you. All right four. for you. Boy, that's four. too many. You need to calm down. Oh, you need to calm well, down and no, your blood pressure. I, no, I just take <laughs> I just take more vitamins, huh? <laughs> now, you we need to talk about the big story, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. has that affected life in Mexico City? Well, well, you know the well, it's um, well, we got a late start. I mean, we kind of pulled a trump with our president too. Uh, he didn't want to accept reality. He was you know, the, our president, Amlo. Uh, we call him Amlo for short, AMLO. He he pulled out these little Jesus pendants and he said, "This is my protection." You know, he you know he did that in a press conference. He encouraged people to go out and eat and not stay home and to go out and spend money. Uh, totally crazy, but the mayor of Mexico City is a woman, uh, but she started locking up the city. Uh, it's closing the, the women. The women around yeah. the world, the leaders who are mm -hmm. safe are, are Exactly. Yeah, look at Germany. I'm in the prime yeah. example. And, and so, you know, she started closing up places and, um, uh, and, and so, but still a lot of people were not taken serious. Uh, they were still hanging out at the Alameda Park, uh, getting together to listen to, you know, DJs and dance, to listen to entertainment, the, the clowns with payasos and do rap competitions and stuff. But they finally closed it up and they put still barriers. Uh, there's no... Um, there's no money coming in from the government like people got a $1,200 check. There's none of that here. Uh, people that are on the underground market, those that are selling, the vendors that sell on the sidewalks and the, and the taquerias, the tacos and stuff, they're hurting. You know, they don't have a savings. They don't work. They don't need. So it's, it's really been really, really, really hard for people. And, uh, you know, um, one of the good things about living here and living in an apartment when I'm not spending a lot of money is that I can, I can help out. And, um, 
but it, it breaks your heart that, you know, you got these families, you know, especially those that are elder, you know, who, who can't take care of themselves, who don't have, who don't have money to eat. And, and, and that's happening there in, in, in the United States too, especially with the friends that I know that are, that are undocumented. I mean, they get no help at all, even though they pay taxes to their employer, you know, they do not get any help, but it's been a struggle. And uh, we're now in phase three. Phase three here is the part where it's highly contagious. So uh, I don't even go out. Life is changing for all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to ask you about access to healthcare. How do you do mm -hmm. it Pat, living abroad? How do you access healthcare? Well, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. Well, moving here, I lost 55 pounds, you know. The food is healthy. Everybody thinks <laughs> Mexican food is full of fat, bacon, cheese, but that's Tex-Mex. Well, but it can be. When you go to Mexico, it's healthier food. Healthier food, and you don't need a car, so you walk. You know, I, you know, when I was in living in Dallas, I didn't walk. I mean, I was, I, I went to the 7-Eleven, two, three blocks away. I would get in the car, you know, but here I walk everywhere. So that helps. I, I walk six, seven miles a day, you know, I used to until the pandemic. And so I would eat better, more, more salads, chicken breast and, and stuff. And so I lost the weight automatically. So I've been pretty healthy. I, I haven't had any problems. I do have high blood pressure and cholesterol because that's a part of the DNA. But, you know, I, I, I have my blood work done twice a year, which is why I go to Dallas. I've never really needed health care, except once in the, in the 10 years or so that I've been living here. Um, I had to go to the, uh, see a doctor, and I didn't have a doctor, so I went to you know, they have the government, the Mexico's, the Mexican government has their own hospitals, Seguro Social, called EMS. Uh, I'm not, I don't qualify, I qualify for that, but I'm not part of the system because it's like going, to me, it's like going to Parkland and I'm not going to do that, you know. Um, I went to a private hospital, a five-star hospital called Los Angeles. I went there and I paid like, by the time everything was over, it was like, uh, $1,200, you know, with medication and the doctor and stuff like that. And so I got my receipts and I sent them to my insurance company and, and they paid 90% of it. So, you know, I, I didn't, okay. I would, oh, I know. So, you know, I have that option. But like the other day, a week ago, uh, I I got a, a little bump on the side of my face. I thought it was an ingrown pimple, but it seemed to get worse. And I, I woke up Sunday morning and it was like, oh my God, you know, it's, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of swollen. And I was freaking out. What am I going to do and all this stuff? And I knew there was a doctor around the corner and I went to look at their hospital, you know, to, to their office to see if there was a sign and it said they were going to open up Monday at 10 o'clock. But here in Mexico, all the pharmacies, have doctors and, the, and there's consultation you know some of them are free some of them charge a dollar you know 25 pesos <laughs> but on sunday but on sunday because it's sunday it's two dollars you know 50 yeah. pesos uh but the doctor last sunday she didn't wasn't going to be there until three so i went back to the pharmacy at three so i was able to get two medications a, a, a shot and do the doctor visit and I spent ten dollars. Damn. Ten, on a Sunday. <laughs> Damn. 
<laughs> My God. Yeah. So healthcare, I, you know, is not a problem. You know, I, I, I well, I'm fortunate. I have insurance. I can, you know, just go and I pay for it and then they reimburse me um, most of it. And if things get real bad, you know, I'm, I'm under Medicare, so I can, I can, you know, well, I could get a, get on a plane. I don't know now. You know, <laughs> uh, you know when it's your time to go, it's time to go. So I'm not going to worry about it. We don't it. want you to go because you've got a lot mm-hmm. of storytelling left in you. Oh, I sure you do. Huh? published a story about your life down there during the coronavirus. came out on the Dallas Voice. And you did an, uh, a, a feature on the, the sex industry, the hustle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How they're, they're trying to survive. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the thing is, uh, uh, again, Alameda Park is an attraction. I live really close, and there's cafes and cantinas around there. And I, I, when I moved into the neighborhood, I started going over there, and there's a cantina, a gay cantina there. And so I, I love sitting outside because we have spring weather here, 365 days of the year. And when I first started going to that cantina, you know, these young men would say hello and everything, and I just felt so pretty. But it turned out you know, they were just... <laughs> They were hustling. They were trying to get me to hire them. And, and because I'm always looking for a story, you know, um, I always, I'm open to conversation. So I would, I would, I would invite some of the young men to sit with me and, and drink. And, and afterward, they wanted to go to my apartment. And I, I, I never, I didn't take them up on it. And, and so, and, and the park, um, you know, there's a lot of people cruising. They're not using the, the, the app. A lot of these people don't have a cell phone. You know, they're called, they're called chacales. A chacal is a dark-skinned Mexican, uh, rough, you know, usually tattoos. Rough trade. Uh-huh. Yeah, rough trade. And, and so, you know, I, and I find that fascinating. And, there, and there's a lot of, and most of the people looking to be, meet these young men are older people you know mm-hmm. uh and so they're looking for somebody for an hour or so and so you can hire a young man to be passive or you know active or what's going on with them now that coronavirus has happened they're gone they're gone they're gone because all the customers are gone you know the the, the park is sealed and I still walk around it from time to time because I need to get my 12,000 steps. So, you know, they're gone. And when I wanted to do the interview, I did was able to find one, one, one hustler, but he wasn't at the park. I found him across the street at, a, at, a, at the 7-Eleven eating. And, and, you know, he was somebody who's always smiling and, and, uh, and had a good attitude and everything, but he looked beat. He looked rough. Uh, you know, he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't, have a client base to call for assistance uh he can't shower anymore all the hotels are gone all the hotels are closed i mean we're talking from the the cheap hotels that you rent by the hour up to the you know five-star hilton you know hotel the regis hotels they're all closed and then and then you got the other prostitutes that you know heterosexuals you know they have their own section and not too far from the park about seven blocks away from the alameda park you have the trans community those those women have their own place and they and they um a lot of them didn't have a place to go because they closed the cheap hotel so they were staying together outside of a subway station uh but by the time i went to go looking for them they they moved them out they uh, something happened because they were all gathered too close and not keeping them six foot 
distance. They, you know, they, they, they moved them out. I don't know where they went to. Well, you yeah. wrote a wonderful article that talks about this whole story. And mm -hmm. you talk about two individuals that you were able to interview. And it's in the Dallas Voice. Recommend that you go see it. It's a wonderfully written um, article. A, lots of people, when they re write about sex work, they do it in such a demeaning way. But you give a little story, a backstory to why these people are there in that purpose and how they're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, yeah, a lot of that, I think, came from I knew them. I just didn't go, oh, I'm going to go do a story and talk yeah. to them. I already been, I already been talking to them. I've already been talking to them for, for months. During you know? those 12,000 steps, you make <laughs> friends, right? <laughs> well, 12,000 12, uh, cebrezas, you know. <laughs> I just yeah. love how you observe culture and you've become part of that culture. Mm -hmm. um, when you read Jesus's uh, essay on queer brown voices, it talks about how you had to assimilate so much that you almost were, you turned away from being Mexican to try to survive in this Anglo world in Texas, especially Lockhart. Where's that? That's like North or West or East Texas. It's, it's central. It's, uh, it's in between Austin and San Antonio. Yeah, and then yeah, it's a, Dallas, which is the mm -hmm. buckle of the Bible Belt. So this is uh, survival. This is not being yeah. ashamed of your, your 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 race or your roots. It's called surviving mm -hmm. in a culture that does not look well upon minorities. Yeah, it's beautiful how you did, how you did this whole one eighty, and now you're living in that mm -hmm. culture that you had to hide. From yeah, now, oh yeah. Now you're oh, embracing it, you're loving it, you're part of it, and it's just beautiful the way you've honored that. You know, it's uh, I speak the language now, you know. Well, having an app on your phone helps, you know, to, <laughs> to translate. But you know, I'm living in the culture, you know. I, I have Mexican friends, you know, gay Mexican friends and people that come to my house and go, Oh my god, you're more Mexican than the Mexicans are, you know, because because <laughs> I love folk art. I love paper mache. I love, you know. Um, you also have a fascination with all the wrestling. Lucha Libre. Yeah, Lucha, Lucha Libre. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember when you lived in Dallas, you always had these masks and you would show up to events wearing them. And that is just because Mexican uh, wrestling is, it was big in the culture. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I just love how you just brought that. And I just, love how during your time in Dallas that you incorporated a lot of gay Latino stuff into traditional Latino holidays, like mm -hmm. Dia de los Muertos, you did an altar to those people that mm -hmm. were passing away from HIV in the 80s. That was kind of dare yeah. to do at that time because you're in Mex yeah. Mexican culture with the AIDS epidemic so early on, people would mm -hmm. not want to combine those two things at that time, but you did it anyways. And right. then did the whole Dia de, uh, de la Virgen also. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you've done a lot of things to combine this culture of gay, Latino, and uh, Catholicism. Yeah, one of the things, uh, speaking of the Virgen de Guadalupe, I mean, I, I knew something about her because my grandmother, you know, had her in her house. My mother's mother had her all in her house. But when I came to Mexico City on Christmas 1986, I actually went to the Basilica and I saw all the altars all over the city and I said, oh my, this is wonderful. So in, inspired in, you. Yeah, and in December 1988, 1988, 
I started a Virgen de Guadalupe show in Dallas. It still goes on in Dallas every <laughs> well, year. Because it, it, it has a life of its own. And speaking of Lucha Libre, uh, I remember when, uh, you know, I was asked to, to do uh, a judge, uh, a, a drag show or something. I forgot what it was. A talent show at, at, uh, at uh, Not Caliente, uh, Havana Bar on Cedar Springs. And, and they asked me to, to be a judge, you know, because they asked me to be a judge because I was, you know, I had the radio show and all that stuff. But I had quit the radio show. But anyway, they still asked me, and so I went. But I didn't go as Jesus Chaitis. I went as my Lucha Libre alter ego. I went, I went to Santo Gay. You know, I have a, I have a character called Santo Gay, which you can find him at face, Facebook, Diagonal, you know, you are Santo a Gay. artist as well. <clears throat> yeah, and, and you're so. You're all over the map. It, it, was, it was like. Who was that guy? You know, and then, <laughs> and, and then when I I did the the gay parade, I was announcing because they wanted you know a, a, a bilingual announcer where the Latinos hung out by the Kroger uh, Cedar Springs. Yes. I, I didn't show up as me. I showed up, Santa you know, and in, in Santo Gay Lucha Libre. People wanted to help me. You had to wear a mask. You know, you couldn't. You cannot be on my table. Nobody could be on my table without wearing a luchador mask. It was, you know, <laughs> it was wonderful. You know, people. It would draw attention and uh, it Mexican. The, it added to the spectacle, uh, the spectacle of a pride parade. How yeah. so many different colors within that rainbow, and uh -huh. and you brought a little extra that day. And the Mexican families would bring their babies for, for, for us to hold so they could I, take I loved pictures. It because <laughs> that gay parade in Dallas, that LGBT pride parade in Dallas, it goes to a neighborhood that was predominantly gay, but because it was the cheapest neighborhood in the downtown, near downtown, a lot of immigrants moved in. And I love mm -hmm. how that immigrant and gay neighborhood coexisted for several yeah. decades. And mm -hmm. families during gay pride season would come up and show up at the pride parade. The kids would want to be there because we would always throw candy. Do you mm -hmm. remember that? So yeah. This was like an extra Halloween for them. And the, and the families, knowing that they were going to be all these very, very controversial uh, uh, floats, Mm -hmm. Very, very, uh, very. Let's just say, very risque outfits. They didn't mm -hmm. care. They were. They. It, it was sort of like, it was a community thing that happened on their block, and they were gonna show up, and the kids were gonna get candy, and they just wanted to laugh and be part of it. You know. Right. So right. Where it starts, the entry point, where they probably had you, it was by that Kroger. Right. Uh -huh. That was called they the did. Latino section, where you had all the Latino families from that neighborhood show up. And they were the first ones that would see the parade entries before they hit the gay bars down the road. And I thought that was right. a beautiful mix of cultures in D.C. I mean, Dallas. Yeah, well, you know, you know, it was always wonderful doing the, the parade because even though I said, you know, I, I couldn't find any more dates after I left the radio show. <laughs> always, 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 I would meet somebody at that parade because they wanted to meet the mask man, you know, I would, I would <laughs> who is that mask hombre, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Jesus, one last question before we let you go. Mm -hmm. Where can people follow you and your stories? How can they? Yeah, well, I, I used to. Adventures? 
I used to blog a lot. I still have a blog. I mean, it's, you know, uh, Chitis, all one word together. Chitis with a Z, not an S. Jesuschitis.com or Facebook slash Jesuschitis, all one word. All, you know, it doesn't matter, lowercase, uppercase. photos and, and stuff. Oh, yeah, plus videos, photos, everything. Uh, you know, I, I write a column uh, or anything. It all goes to Facebook. I, I like that. I mean, I have still have keep the website, but I like Facebook because you can interact with people quickly and right away. You know, it's, it's wonderful. So you, you can find me there. And once you get to my Facebook page, you can you find my address for Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. I'm, 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 I, honey, I got it all. You got it all. <laughs> Except the grinder crime. Except the <laughs> grinder I just want to say thank you so much for the inspiration. The work that you did back, back in the day is still being felt today by so many who learn from you and are taking that mm -hmm. that you gave us and we're paying it forward. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for all you do. Uh -huh. You're welcome and thank you very much. And speaking of the radio show, let me tell you at least five times, I've been here in Mexico City and I'll be talking to somebody in a container in a bar and having a ha ha and laughing and somebody's, oh my God, I said, go, your kiss is traitors. I used to listen to your radio show when I lived in Dallas. <laughs> It's wonderful. It's a small world, baby. It's, it's a small, small world. world. And you're living your best life in it. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, like a rich white woman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, bye.